say, if you had a radio in the late 80s, early 90s, a TV, you had a computer in the 2000s, this man was everywhere. Rick Astley. Yeah. <laughs> Good, Rick. Wow, what a heady time for you. Yeah, it's hard to get your head around, to be honest, because once that kind of starts and you have a hit record and then maybe one or two more, then it kind of, you know, you're on a bit of a whirlwind. I got to come to Australia, for one. I got to see the rest of the world, you know, Japan. I've been to South America recently, obviously the States and stuff. So, yeah, it's a bit of a runaway train, but you just have to hang on, really. Never going to give you up. Number one, 25 countries. Do you just sit there when you're doing a tour and go, geez, where do I feel like going this time? And you're welcomed. Uh, I get offers from around the world, different places, and sometimes they're literally at the end of my street uh, because a couple of nights ago I played in Hampton Court Palace and that was a fantastic gig and I literally rode my bike to that gig um, <laughs> rode my bike onto the stage as well by the way Alright I do have to ask uh, where's the strangest place you've been recognised in the world? Tasmania was quite interesting to be honest you don't expect to go to Tassie and have somebody sort of say uh, but get this they didn't really recognise me as well they did but they didn't recognise me as that guy who sings they sort of said um, your brother's best friends with Dave Prescott isn't he and, uh, and it just sort of <laughs> <laughs> I had a cousin who lived in our hometown. It's just it's just the bizarrest, strangest <laughs> way of being kind of recognised for being that guy on the telly singing that song. But, uh, yeah, Tasmania was a bit of a shock, to be honest, because obviously that is literally, well, it's the end of the world for you guys, isn't it? Never mind the rest of us. So. <laughs> How true is it, that story about the whole being the tea boy at Stock Aiken Waterman? Is that truth or is it, you know, expanded a little? Uh, it's expanded a little, yeah, but I mean, there's definitely some truth in it. Um, Pete Waterman heard me singing in a band, and, and it took a little while, but basically I signed a deal with Pete, you know, with his production company, the Stock Aiken Waterman guys, who obviously did Kylie and Jason and loads of others. Uh, when I actually signed to them, they hadn't become really like the massive kind of almost household name that they became in the 80s. And they were working on an album for a band called Dead or Alive. That record that they made with them, they had a massive big number one single called You Spin Me Round. And from that moment on, they were just inundated with offers from major labels to make records and there were people were throwing money at them no expense spared kind of thing so anybody who was signed to their production company i.e. me um, got pushed to the back of the queue but obviously I didn't really want to go home and uh, you know I live 200 miles away which is nothing to you guys but in the UK that's quite a distance you know from the studios and everything in London so Pete said look well do you want to just stay and just help out of the studios and uh so that involved, you know, changing tapes and learning how to use a tape machine and all this, but it also included making a lot of tea. <laughs> so I made tea for Dead or Alive, Banana Rama, Melon Kim, but I got to sit in, in on the sessions. So I kind of learned an awful lot uh, that I would have never, have never had a chance to pick up on before I actually started to make my own record with them, you know. So it, was, it kind of worked out in the end, you know. So was it like a, a big family, like the Motown days, you know, you'd be walking down the hallway and you'd run into a Kylie or, or a Banana Rama every day? There was a bit of that, definitely, yeah. And I think because I was there, you know, literally making tea and what have you, then I, I did because, you know, I was in the sessions just at the back of the room keeping them quiet, but I was in the sessions for a lot of those early records they made. I think later on when I, you know, actually was upgraded to actually making records with them and then especially when we actually put one out and it was a hit and I was travelling and stuff, I very, very rarely saw anybody, to be honest. Uh, I think I've met Kylie like maybe three times in my life, to be honest. Then you yeah. retired. You did a, a Lennon and decided to, to stay home. And then when you, you came back out of retirement, surely the whole music industry had changed a great deal. How did you confront that? I think in terms of what I do today, I started about eight years ago. I got a few offers uh, to do gigs in different countries over the years, and I never wanted to do it. And then I got an offer to go to Japan, 
and basically my daughter who was 14 at the time and my wife kind of made me do it because they really <laughs> wanted to go to Japan and so anyway so we went to Japan but I actually did the gigs and I really loved it and I think there was a little bit of a light bulb going on saying look you can come and do this it's not going to take your life over because I think when I had my four years five years whatever it was it was all day every day and it was everything do you know what I mean there was no kind of you can't really turn that tap off you're either that famous person doing it or you're not, and there is no in-between, I don't think. It's very hard to have an in-between, so especially in pop music. Well, here, here you go. I played at Hampton Court Palace, like I say, last, last week, and the Tuesday before I played, I went to see a guy called Jamie Cullum. He's like the jazz pianist guy, and not one person in the audience recognised me. And four <laughs> nights later, I'm on there singing my tunes for an hour or so, and the people are you know, all singing along, and not one person recognised me four nights before. So it's kind of, that to me is perfect. That, that is the ultimate perfect thing because I get to be, you know, pretend I'm 21 again at the weekend and then forget about it during the week. So it's perfect. In fairness, if Jamie Callum came to one of your concerts, no one would recognise him. <laughs> yeah, but I'd put the spotlight on him and go, there's Jamie Callum. <laughs> Rick Astley, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thanks very much. 